Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and part science. You've come to the right place. Here's your host, Leslie Dorries. started this show, I really struggled with what to call it. And I finally settled on Happily Ever After is just the beginning because most people think that, you know, all the fairy tales end and they lived happily ever after, but nobody ever tells you what that's about, how to do it. And so that's why I called this show. But I had struggled with it because that, again, implies that marriage or long relationships are about personal happiness. I cringe when I hear one partner say it's their job to make the other person happy. And in reality, being happy is a choice, and it is always, 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 always an inside job. No one else can actually make you happy. In a relationship, you'll each contribute to its happiness and you will each take happiness out of it. And it's important to realize this because of an insidious saying about marriage, happy wife, happy life. And to understand why this readily accepted statement is really quite harmful, both to the individuals in the relationship and to the relationship as a whole, I'm joined by Rick Forche, who's a writer and observer of life. So, Rick, thanks so much for being on the show to talk about this. Well, thanks for having me, Leslie. I really appreciate it. I look forward to this opportunity. Yeah. So, you know, I found your uh, piece on the Good Men Project where, you know, you actually talked about this statement, happy wife, happy life. And what prompted you to do that? It's been a saying in my community of friends for a number of years. It goes back quite a ways. And I was prompted on a recent visit to a friend who used it again and it reminded me of how prevalent it is in certain areas of men's lives, um, you know, around the water cooler and man, man caves especially, um, and in, in the circle of friends that I had that it was quite prevalent. And I realized that I was living that particular myth for quite a while in my life. And I wanted to share what I'd learned about that with other men and also with women. So that's really interesting. And I'm so glad you brought that up because what you're saying is that men actually do talk about their relationships, which is always a good thing to know. And one of the things that drives me crazy is this idea that women have a monopoly on relationship advice, what you know, relationship skills. And in actuality, they don't. And I think that's kind of what you're talking about when you talk about the myth of the happy wife, happy life kind of thing. Because it kind of just says, well, okay, just do what the woman says. And there's kind of a corollary to this happy wife, happy life. And that's if you want a long, happy relationship, the man just has to learn to say, yes, dear. And I just want to scream. Ah! <laughs> well, it, it, uh, it works for a lot of people in um, kind of a skewed way. But that's many of us men and women were brought up that way. That's what we learned as role models from our parents and um, extended family, 
that that's that's what we that's what we do. The man has certain roles, like being the provider. The woman is the caregiver, and you know that's been part of the man's job is to make sure that the wife is happy. And then from that, we you know we get our rewards uh, that she's happy. And that's kind of the premise of the myth itself is that you know as long as the woman in the house is happy, the kids are happy, the husband's happy, and it's a happy household. So yeah, it's it's interesting. Men want to talk about it. But they don't really know how in a lot of cases, especially, you know, I go back to my own group of friends. So that's where, you know, wink, wink, having this happy wife, happy life kind of thing is we kind of talk about it that way. Oh, yeah, I'm, you know, I got to do this for my wife. You know, it's on the to do list kind of thing. But we don't really talk about relationships that deeply, at least yeah. in my age group. Um, it's something that is it's coming about, but it's it's not. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not. Um, it's not common. It's not comfortable. That's the word I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. It's not a comfortable thing to share with your friends about really what's going on in your relationship and how you're feeling in it. Well, that's part of the reason why I do this show is because I want to open up that dialogue because I'm not sure that women actually do either. I think what happens is there's some complaining. You know, and, and then everybody jumps on the bandwagon about, yeah, my guy does this too, and isn't it awful? And But nobody actually really talks about solutions or really even what the challenges are. And it's really interesting. I've had another guest on the show. He's a friend of mine. His name's um, Dr. Scott Haltzman, and he wrote a couple of – he's written several books, but the first one he wrote was – the Secret to Happily Married Men, and it was a bestseller, and it was fantastic, and then he made the mistake of writing The Secrets of Happily Married Women and got pilloried by women because how dare some man tell us you know, anything about relationships? Right. Like, Wait, but they're, they're half of the relationship. They're half of the population. How can we discount them? Right. Yeah, that's very true. And so I really wanted to talk to you um, about, from a male's perspective, why is accepting this premise, happy wife, happy life, a problem for men? So, again, uh, the article is based on my own personal experience and observing other friends. And the conclusions that I came to were, these are just some of them. Uh, One of the big ones is that we men diminish their own self-worth. So we put our happiness, our our dreams, our goals, secondary. We, we make them secondary. Um, another, another point is that we learn to avoid conflict. Uh. And that was a big one for me. Uh. <laughs> you know, yeah. conflict is, it's not very productive and it doesn't lead to a happy life, you know, in that short term. And, it's, it's a very short-term focused approach, and so we deal with things immediately as how can I deal with this now to lessen the pain so it's not so uncomfortable, and that over the long run is another big thing, is it, is it erodes the relationship from the inside out for a man. So it erodes our self-confidence. We start to build up resentment and frustration towards our partner, and... That in itself is, it's a long-term kind of slippery slope that we go down by not dealing with what's really going on one issue at a time. We let things build until something breaks inside of us. Right. And that's, 
And you talk about the avoiding conflict, and I always tell people you can't avoid it. You can merely postpone it. Exactly. And the longer you postpone it, the worse it is. So – and it's interesting, and I'm going to tell a tale on myself. I usually don't mention this, but you know, my husband has said that he can never win an argument because, one, I'm a woman, and two, I'm a therapist. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and he said that once, and I really stopped, and I thought, you know, there is some truth to that, that I can dominate a conversation if I so choose. And it made me stop and think about what that meant for him and what that meant for our relationship. And I've really made a conscious effort since the last time he made that comment to really take that to heart and say, no, 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 I have a perspective, but he hasn't an equal perspective. And if I don't allow him to state that perspective, then I've just imbalanced the relationship in a really unhealthy way. Right. So is that kind of what's going on, what you experienced, what your male friends are experiencing in this idea that we have to avoid conflict? Well, there's um, you know, it, it depends on the relationship. Like my first marriage, I was married to somebody who had a very strong personality and was really good at debating. Mm-hmm. And so it was very much fell in line with what you were just saying, is that I I felt like I couldn't win an argument when in reality I didn't really want to win it. <laughs> I wanted to have a conversation, but I always felt like a battle, mm-hmm. and I wasn't very good in the battle. And I have other friends who, you know, their partners aren't as strong-willed. And they do more the happy wife, happy life concept out of trying to raise them up. So maybe the woman doesn't have a, a lot of self-esteem. And so they're, you know, um, they're looking to help them to make them as happy as possible so that they get into a, a better place about themselves. So I think it depends on the relationship. But for me personally, that was in my first marriage. That's that avoiding conflict with somebody who had a, a very strong personality was deeply ingrained in me um, as a um, as an uncomfortable situation to avoid uh-huh. and and then like you said when it comes out it comes out in either scattershot where you're talking about everything including the kitchen sink and not just dealing with that one specific issue or it just comes out in just over over-emotional, and then you can't really solve anything anyway. Um, oh, that's a really good point. I, thank you for bringing that up, because that was that was me to a T. I would just bottle it up, and then all of a sudden, this rage and anger would come out, and she would look at me like, what are you, what, where is this coming from? Right, like, I was sometimes off topic completely, mm-hmm. because it was all this built-up stuff about all these small things, and then it just blah right out of me. <laughs> right, yeah. It's almost like once once there was a little crack in the dam, everything comes flooding out, and then it's, you know, what is the problem here? And then you really can't solve anything because it's just too emotional. It's just too right. unfocused. And I always tell people that un, unfocused anger, because anger can be positive in some Yes. Formats, but but just this kind of unbridled, unfocused anger 
then people, that gives people permission to dismiss us. Yes. That I don't have to take you seriously because it's just couched in this, this ridiculous clothing that you've put on. So I, I'm not even going to look for the kernel of what's accurate in there. I just get to go, yeah, no, you're just out of control. Yeah. Go away. Yeah, you lose your, yeah, you lose your credibility. That's a good point. Right. And it's, and it's a hard thing to do to be able to sit down with your partner and to discuss an issue, a challenge, a problem, however you want to phrase that in a productive way. And it's really why I don't like the word conflict because there's no way you can use that word without a bunch of negative connotation to it. (laughs) And, you know, so, you know, people say, well, I don't like conflict. Well, I haven't really met anybody who does. There are probably some people out there. I don't know. But if we can reframe that as not conflict, but difference of opinion, kind of lessen it. And I think that people need to learn and we don't, there's, there's no class for this. You don't get this in high school or college or anywhere. Yeah, that's true. There's no class really in constructive personal problem solving. Right. But we're supposed to be married and in love and work this out with this stranger, essentially. <laughs> And come to these wonderful conclusions, and nobody teaches us how to do that. And it's a real challenge, I think. And I think men, like my husband especially, can feel overwhelmed by the number of words that can come out of my mouth. (laughs) Sure, I, I understand that. I have empathy for that. So... When you talk with your friends, when you talk with the with the guys who are kind of trying to live under this happy wife, happy life thing, what do you say to them? Um, it's not so much what I say in that moment. It's more about asking them probing questions about, you know, what it is that they really enjoy in life. You know, what are their hobbies? What You know, what are the things that they like to do in their spare time? It's It's my way of kind of refocusing themselves on themselves. What are those things that um, they really enjoy doing? So I have one friend who's, you know, really into geology and he loves rocks. And every chance I get when I'm with him, I love for him to show me his collection, to talk about it. Because I see what that does to him. It brings, there's a light in his eyes, there's a joy. So it's, I'm doing my best to remind them of what it is that makes them happy, as opposed to pointing a, a pertinent, you know, or a, a pointed question to them about why are they behaving the way they are around their around their spouse? Because to me, that's that's not my style one. But also sometimes that can it can cause a bit of defensiveness in them. Sure, and I've seen that, and I've, and I've experienced that myself. So I do my best to put them in a space of where they really are um, at their best within Uh themselves and then hopefully that carries over into their lives that they want more of that and that would mean having that conversation with their with their partner about i really like to do this more i really enjoy this that's my hope sounds like a good idea this is happily ever after is just the beginning on webtalkradio.net 
I'm Leslie Dorries, and I'm having a really interesting conversation with writer Rick Forche about the importance of being authentic in your relationship. And if you're a man or a woman struggling with holding on to who you are and being part of a relationship, then I invite you to contact me and take advantage of my complimentary no-obligation strategy session about how you can have the marriage you've always wanted. You can email me at Leslie, L-E-S-L-I, at Foundations Coaching NC, that's F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N-S, Coaching, N as in Nancy, C as in Charlie, dot com. Or you can call me at 919-924-0463. And, you know, Rick, you also talk in your piece about why this happy wife, happy life idea isn't really very good for women either. So where do you see it? I mean, because I always tell people, you know, if I could get everybody in the world to do things my way, I'd be thrilled. I just can't get anybody else to buy into Leslie World. <laughs> um, so why why wouldn't this work for women? I'm getting everything I want. Well, it does in the short term. Okay. Because they, they are getting what they want. But as I precluded to, as I talked about earlier, about what happens to the man over the long term, when those those feelings in a man of frustration, resentment, when he starts to act out, how good is that in your relationship? Something's going to break or bend in in that relationship, and is that really what the woman wants? Because at some point, the fairy tale is going to end, and sometimes abruptly and rudely, and to the women's um, amazement, unexpectedly. They say they never saw it coming. It could be in an affair. Mm-hmm. It could be. You know, the man just disappears emotionally, physically. Um, you know, he could have one of these midlife crises. He could have a health problem that just, you know, is, is very serious. So in the long term, this won't last in most cases. That's been my experience. The other thing is that, is that it's not real. It's, it's a fantasy. Right? So we're, we're not living a real relationship. And then my question is for the women out there, what kind of relationship do you really want? Do you want one that is real and authentic, one that is integral, one that is open and honest, and one that is is rife with reality of relationships? <laughs> yeah. Of what, yeah, those ups and downs and oh. the emotion, you know, emotional turmoil. But that's what to me, that's what life is about. It's about that roller coaster, and so it's not real. And I guess that's that's the message I would. I would get out to the women is that it's a fantasy waiting to implode. Well, and I like that because for most people, what they say they want and what they really want aren't the same thing. What people will say is they want this equal partnership. They want their partner to open up and share their feelings and ride, you know, and if somebody does that, then that means you're not always going to agree with me. And so I don't necessarily really want to deal with that. So, you know, it is a question of, okay, do you want a real relationship with all that messiness that comes along with it? And, you know, I'm sitting here going, the initial reaction for people is no, but you're, but you're right, because if it isn't that way, then it's going to implode one way or the other. And I 
glad you brought up the affair because um, what happens a lot of time is people think that affairs are about sex, and they're and in some cases that may be true, but mostly it's about tap somebody somebody sees you for who you really are somebody recognizes like your friend that he loves geology so he could be having a conversation with a co-worker and start talking about this and and then suddenly they're asking all these kinds of questions and it's like oh my gosh somebody's interested in me right and it's like the man in the desert who's looking for water and suddenly somebody comes and hands him a pitcher full it's like well i'm going to go follow that person and and I don't think people make that connection. So I think it's really important that you brought that up because there's so many ways for couples to get disconnected and not even realize it's happening until somebody says, I'm done. Right. And I, I really like that word, connection. To me, that's what we're all after. So that, that really, and I think that's one of the things that for bringing it back to what, what are the women missing is that they're missing the opportunity for true connection with their partner. And I don't think you can put a price tag on that. To me, there is nothing more important to our self-worth, our value of life than connection to another human being. And the deeper the connection, the more wonderful life can become in all its ups and downs. So that, that is to me, that's, that's the reality that people are missing when they live this myth. They are disconnected from their partners, and they're, they're not seeing them, and they're not trusting them. That's the other thing that I think that women don't understand is that when men are living this myth, they are not trusting their wives um, to be able to, to deal with the truth. And, and that is diminishing the woman as well. And, you know, do, does the woman really want that as well? You know, they're worth it to be able to be trusted just like the man is. Well, and I love that. You just, I just had the Jack Nicholson scene from A Few Good Men flash through my eyes. You can't handle the truth. Um, <laughs> and, Sometimes. Well, I mean, and part of that is, you know, and, and I do think that we've come so far in relationships and I know they're a little bit scary because back in the day, you know, you turn on the TV and I'm going to date myself here and I'm going to tell you people, no, I only watched the reruns. I did not watch the first run shows of Leave it to Beaver or Father Knows Best or any of those shows where you would actually see everybody had their little, their little role. Everybody had their, they knew where they were, they belonged. Right. You know, like you said earlier, the man was the provider and the woman was the nurturer and everybody had their, little roles and then of course I think I watched the first episode of Bad Men and went into a cold sweat when the you know the psychiatrist is talking to you know the husband about the wife session I'm going oh my gosh I'm so glad we're not living in that world anymore but now we don't have any rules or it feels like we don't have any rules and while on some case that's liberating it's also scary because I think we're still running a little bit in to I want you to be the strong man. I want you to take care of me. I want you to do all the old roles. But I also want you to do all the new roles, too. And, oh, by the way, don't get too sensitive on me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's like when I hear that noise in the middle of the night, I want to shake you and go, honey, there's somebody in the house. And you're like going, I don't want to go check that out. 
<laughs> yeah. So what how do you think couples can actually go about getting rid of this getting letting go of the myths and actually embracing what you so beautifully described as the real messy roller coaster of relationships? Well, I'll go to uh, the basis of my second marriage is that we are best friends, best friends first. Mm-hmm. And that means honesty, vulnerability, or respect. We want the best for each other, but we also want the best for ourselves. And that means having those uncomfortable conversations and also the beautiful conversations about shared values, about intimacy, and what it is that we both want out of a, a sexual relationship, out of a out of our marriage in general, out of our relationship. But it's it's laying the foundation of trust, vulnerability, and providing a safe, non-judgmental place for each other. Because without that, it's a really rocky road to try to get to a place of um, of that really powerful connection. I agree with you, and I love the way you describe that. Now, I'm going to ask you an even tougher question. How did you guys do that? What, I mean... I know that the first the first step is making a conscious choice to do it, <laughs> but what what enabled you guys to do that? Because I think that's where a lot of couples struggle. Talk and more talk, and it was about vulnerable talk. It was about giving each other space to say whatever it is we needed to say, having respect for the other person, though. It's the way you say it. It's not just what you say. Absolutely. And providing that space for each other, but talk about everything. And it's it's draining. And it's really difficult for a lot of people to go there because they're not used to it. But we had, um, we had an advantage to people that are in long-term relationships because we were starting new. Uh-huh. And we made a conscious choice up front that that's how we wanted to behave based on the challenges we had in our past relationships and past marriages. So, you know, I don't have the dynamic of trying to do something different in a current relationship because I I wasn't in a space or the, the wounds were too deep or whatever it was with my first marriage. It, it doesn't matter. It just didn't happen. Uh-huh. But it was a conscious choice in my second relationship. And um, my partner at the time who turned into my wife, that that's the way we were going to approach it, but it was talk, 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 and and emotions, whatever it was, it was really allowing the other that freedom to express anything and everything with respect. And it's it can be hard because that can be really scary when my partner will say will be telling their truth, and it's hard for me to hear. And I think that's, we have to be careful at that point in time not to shut the other person down. Yeah. Because I'm uncomfortable and I don't, what you're saying is hard for me to hear. So instead of being able to reach inside myself and go, okay, just breathe and not shut you down, it's important for me to, to stay present and be able to hear that because, and this is something I think people really need to understand. 
That's your truth, right. not necessarily the truth. Yes. And and I might have a different truth, and then it's how do we negotiate both of those truths? Yes. Not pick one, because a happy wife, happy life is picking one truth over yes. another. Yes. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I tell people, these kinds of relationships really, really are scary because they take you places you've never been, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. It, it, uh, it scares people because you become naked mm-hmm. to someone else, and you also become naked to yourself. So, you know, really good point about the truth, whose truth is it. We each have our own perspective based on our own life experiences. So there is no really one truth. And to have that acceptance in someone else and to help them unpack their baggage is such a beautiful thing. Because at the end of it, their perspective that they're sharing, whatever it is, it's their stuff. And when we can learn not to take it personally... And to let and to help and encourage that other person to get through that stuff that is holding them back or diminishing themselves or giving them this unhealthy perspective about themselves or the world. What a great gift that is that we can give each other in that relationship to say, you're safe here and I'm not going to take this personally because you can trust me. And as you describe that, as you said that, I just had this wonderful physical feeling of that's what love is yes that's that's the thing that we're all looking for is that place where we can be ourselves whether that's standing in our strengths or acknowledging this scares the crap out of me (laughs) (laughs) whatever this is but i know that you've got my back i know that I can do this. And the thing is, for me, and maybe you'll, I don't know how, I would like like your opinion on this, but for me, that's about learning to trust myself first. Yes, there's, there's that element of trust and belief in yourself. And sometimes that other person can help you do that. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's like, it's like, well, you need to love yourself before you can love someone else. I don't, I don't necessarily buy into that truth. Not completely I, either. I I'm, I'm with you. We can help each other love ourselves by, by giving that space and that, that, that vulnerable place, that safe place for someone that allows them to look at, you know, their baggage and the challenges in their life. That helps them to love themselves. And that's, you know, that's to me, that's the, that's the love that you were just talking about, mm-hmm. that intimate connection between two people that you are safe here, you can be vulnerable, and, you know, I've got your back. Yeah, and that's, and that is what I know most people want, and it's going to be conversations like this that I think are going to help them get there. So, can you please tell people where they can read your wonderful insights into life two places um, my website is rickforche.me so r-i-c-k-f-o-r-t-i-e-r.me and you'll also find postings on thegoodmenproject.com 
And if you just do a search for Rick Forche, you'll find postings there. But uh, all the content I have is on um, on my website, and you'll find a Facebook uh, and LinkedIn um, connections there as well. Terrific. So, you know, in truth, in order for a relationship to work, it has to work for both people. And having everything go the way you want it may be great for you, especially in the short run, but leaving your partner's views and feelings out of the equation really is unworkable. And the challenge to creating this healthy, lasting relationship that people that we're desperate for, most of us, some of us are lucky to have it, but many are desperate to have it, is to learn how to make room for each other in that soft, gentle, supportive way. And the big question is, what gets in your way of doing that in your relationship? So one solution is to keep listening to the show. And until next week, stay loving. <laughs> 